0: Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mosh Wanunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, for the Monday pod, I put together a quick brief on what happened at the Golden Globes. We haven't had a chance to debrief ourselves (laughs) because it was a relatively late night. Uh, Anything stand out to you? Well, Moshe...
1: Actually, I think one of the more controversial things that I have ever posted on Instagram was about the uh, monologue Joe Coy. He was the comedian who somehow was wrangled into hosting it. He said with like ten <laughs> days, like the eightieth choice <laughs> for
0: the show. Nobody yeah. else
1: wanted to do this, so I'm going to do it. And I thought that he had made a relatively innocent joke about Taylor Swift, like given all of the jokes that are so mean spirited in some of those monologues. Right. I felt like it was a pretty light joke that I wouldn't have hated her to just kind of smile or chuckle instead of giving him the evil. The NFL eye. joke. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't think it was mean spirited, so I didn't really understand why she kind of gave him that look. Anyway, I posted that on Instagram. A lot of people agreed, but a lot of the people Swifties did not. The Swifties are
0: coming after you. But I'm a yeah. Swiftie,
1: right? Like I'm, I'm a huge, well, oh, I'm a huge fan. But I didn't get it.
0: Have you tried criticizing Beyonce? Do you want to
1: try? that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Apparently, there are some third rails, <laughs> and I don't want to get involved.
0: <laughs> there are certain people you're not allowed to say negative things about, or you know. Anyway, going on the edge, saying Taylor just chuckle at that joke, and people are like, "Nope."
1: I guess you know what it is, Moshe. I don't take myself very seriously. Like I, we don't take ourselves so seriously, right? We do news. We try to have fun with it. Um, you and I have talked about this before. Sometimes we're like, is this offensive or is that offensive? And, and I'm always like, I'm not a good person to ask because I don't get offended that easily. So maybe yeah. I'm not the best judge in this, but I tend to think we should all just uh, show each other a little bit of grace.
0: Well, needless to say, beyond that joke, Jokoi not really impressing many people with his performance last night. So don't think he'll be invited back. But that one actually was one of his better ones. Regardless, uh, hopefully the uh, Swifties calm down on you as you note that you're a fellow Swiftie. It
1: wasn't necessarily the joke being funny. It just wasn't mean. You know, it was just kind of blah. Anyway, I thought the fashion was good.
0: So high marks on red carpet. Uh, We'll see what is in store. Uh, We have the Emmys next week, the Grammys in February, the Oscars in March. Uh, Clearly, it's looking good for Oppenheimer. We'll see if Barbie gets some more love at the Oscars or not. Though, I do need to go see the film that beat Barbie, uh, Poor Things. I hadn't heard much about it. And Emma Stone also won last night. So I'm looking forward to seeing that.
1: All right, Mosh, let's get to some news here. The latest on the investigation into the Alaska Airlines jet that saw a panel pop off and the multiple warning signs that there could be trouble with that plane. Now, United also finding some loose bolts as it inspects its planes to the Middle East. Is it just a matter of time before Israel and Hezbollah are officially at war? Tensions are high after Israel killed a top Hezbollah leader. This is the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken lands in Israel. Fly me to the moon or not. A moon landing attempt by a U.S. company appears doomed after a critical fuel leak. The controversial comments from Pope Francis about surrogacy. It is the end of the road for Tiger Woods and Nike after a 27 year partnership looking for love try LinkedIn. We'll explain. And speaking of love, why people are camping out at Target stores for a Valentine's Day Stanley Tumblr.
0: This thing is blowing up, this Tumblr. And most will have on
1: this day in history.
0: Jill, a little bit of fun history. We go way back to when Christopher Columbus says he saw mermaids swimming. Also a big day for Apple News. And we wish a happy birthday to a certain uh, singer. Satellite. <laughs> Is that, a good, is that a good impression of him? <laughs> Satellite. Oh,
1: Dave Matthews band. Yes, Mosh. I, I mean, I figured it out. If that's, I, I guess it, <laughs> that counts, right? <laughs> um, okay, let's get to some news. The latest on the investigation into the Alaska Airlines jet that saw a plugged door blow out on Friday evening. We learned on Monday that that Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliner had multiple warnings in the month preceding the incident. The plane was not being used for flights to Hawaii after a warning light that could have indicated a pressurization problem lit up on three different flights. Alaska Airlines decided to restrict that aircraft from long flights over water so that the plane, quote, could return very quickly to an airport If that warning light reappeared, that is according to the NTSB, they caution that the pressurization light might be unrelated to Friday's incident, which saw a plug covering an unused exit door blow off that Boeing 737 MAX 9 as it cruised about three miles over Oregon. But they are looking into it. The auto pressurization system warning on the jet lit up during three flights on December 7th. And then again, on January 3rd and January 4th, that was one day before the blowout over Portland, the plane was just weeks old. It was delivered to the airline at the end of October. Alaska Airlines maintenance crews checked and cleared that light after each illumination.
0: Yeah, and we should note that according to former NTSB investigators, it's not unusual in the aviation world for there to be issues with warning lights. Uh, Most of the time, the issues with the light itself and not an underlying uh, issue alaska airlines they note again these are outside observers they have to do the full investigation didn't ignore it right uh they made a point they're they're a conservative airline they made a point of restricting it's use to only over land and not over water and so you know the impression is they have a pretty good safety culture there but this is something they will look further into the assumption typically is again it's a sensor problem and not an underlying issue now on monday the faa did approve guidelines for inspecting the door plugs of other MAX 9 jets. There are just over 170 of those planes. They've all been grounded right now due to an emergency order. Alaska has a number of them. United Airlines has the most number of them. And what we learned late Monday is that they have now found loose bolts and other parts in a number of their inspections. In fact, as of this recording, late Monday, uh, five planes, five doors have been found to have loose screws, loose bolts as they've been inspecting them. And these are planes that were delivered to United within the last 18 months. In all the cases, the loose screws are in different places. So something concerning there, uh, I guess, you know, the good news is this happened and this is leading to these inspections here because typically a really comprehensive inspection doesn't happen until every couple years. And again, given these are new planes, they haven't done these thorough inspections as airlines. They basically got them from Boeing, you know, made sure they could fly and have been using them. In other news, the door that popped off the plane was found by a teacher named Bob. Joe, we learned late (laughs) on Sunday. Uh, He found it in his yard. They're not telling us the last name for now. The plug door, again, this is an emergency exit door on some planes. In this iteration, this configuration of the plane, they plug it, basically. It looks like a window, but it's covering up a door space. Uh, Loose bolts might have been the issue here. Anyway, it popped off, landed in Bob's yard. He found it, reached out to the NTSB. It's about two feet by four feet, weighs about 63 pounds, and they're going to be examining it now to figure out what led it to break free here. Now, one thing investigators will not have at their disposal is the cockpit voice recorder, one of the two black boxes. Apparently, the cockpit voice recorder was recorded over. Uh, Because apparently it it only lasts for two hours and gets recorded over. So they won't have that. Though we are getting a sense of the chaotic scenes uh, that did unfold as the door popped off. The NTSB says the flight crew heard a bang and then the cockpit door flew open due to the depressurization there they all had to put their masks on immediately so initially the pilots didn't know what had happened they just saw that the door flew open the mass flew down and you can hear it in their air traffic control conversation they just know they're being depressurized the mass are open they don't know yet about the hole in their plane apparently the cockpit door slammed open so quickly It damaged the restroom door, and it took a flight attendant several tries to get the cockpit door closed again. Uh, The first officer lost their headset. The captain had a portion of her headset pulled off. Uh, They couldn't hear anything because they're damaged headsets, so they had to use an overhead speaker uh, to be able to hear what was going on. Uh, They also have a quick reference checklist uh, that exists in the cockpit. That flew out the door. So a really chaotic situation, pretty remarkable that amid all of it, they were able to land the plane safely and everyone was OK.
1: The more we learn about what happened, the more we realize how incredibly lucky it is that nobody was seriously hurt during this. Yeah. The two seats next to that door were empty. I mean, I don't I can't remember the last time I've taken a flight where there have been any empty seats. So the fact that the two yeah. next to that door were empty is, is miraculous. Uh, They say that the pressurization and and just that air was so strong that somebody's shirt was a baby had his shirt ripped off. And that's how that's how strong this was. And in addition to Bob finding that door, uh, apparently a cell phone from one from the flight was also found intact, working. Not allegedly (laughs) two cell phones, two iPhones have been found
0: on the ground. Still functional. I guess an ad for Apple here, though. Some people are like, if I drop my iPhone five feet, I think it's busted. I don't know how it dropped 16,000 feet, three miles up, and is okay. That's (laughs) pretty miraculous. Joe, you know, we've been talking about this too. The other lucky thing is that they were still headed up. They hadn't reached cruising altitude yet, meaning everyone was still seated with their seatbelts on. If people had been kind of moving about the cabin uh, when this blows out, unclear what would have happened there as well. So if this was to happen, this happened in the right place at the right time with the right crew, uh, very lucky here. But the concerning thing, and we'll follow up in coming days, is the fact that United is now finding at least five planes delivered to them with loose bolts.
1: All right. Now to the Middle East. We're watching escalations on the northern front in Israel between the military and Hezbollah. A senior Hezbollah commander was killed in Lebanon yesterday in what appears to be the second recent assassination by Israel of a terror leader in the country. Wassam Hassan al-Tawil was killed when his SUV was targeted. He had led a Hezbollah unit Israel says had been working to infiltrate its northern border. Tawil was a leader in Hezbollah and was also related through marriage to Hezbollah's leader, Hassan Nasrallah. Tawil has also been working with Syrian leader Assad in his war against rebels and the uprising in that country. The area has seen increased cross-border fire in recent weeks amid ongoing fears that tensions between Hezbollah and Israel could erupt into a full-scale conflict. Israel on Monday repeated warnings that it was prepared to escalate its military operations against Hezbollah militants in Lebanon to contain the threat from across the border. Hezbollah began launching their latest round of rockets on Israel in solidarity with Hamas after October 7th. There are also some Hamas units based in Lebanon that has led to nearly 100,000 Israelis having to evacuate their homes in northern Israel. Israel has been counterattacking in Lebanon, leading to evacuations in Lebanon.
0: So the killing here of Tawil sends a message to Hezbollah that their leadership is vulnerable and it serves as a warning, as far as the Israelis are concerned, against escalated provocation. So we should note while we talk about full-scale war here, the fear of that, We have been seeing cross-border confrontations and attacks uh, for three months now. Missiles coming from Lebanon into Israel, and then counterattacks by the Israeli Air Force, as well as other targeted strikes into Lebanon. So both sides really dancing around in all-out war here. There have been indications the Israelis are willing to do more to end that rocket fire coming from Hezbollah But the U.S. has been trying to get them not to escalate. The Washington Post had a report over the weekend that the Biden administration has privately warned the Israelis against escalating things there. The White House believes, based on a new secret assessment from the Defense Intelligence Agency, that the Israelis would actually struggle to achieve their objectives of taking out Hezbollah while also fighting this war in the South. Though the Israelis here have been saying they need to end this fire, they need to be able to bring home 100,000 Israeli civilians, into their homes. So things here are starting to get very touchy. Uh You know, we're very close to the edge here. And it does come as Secretary of State Tony Blinken landed in Israel late last night.
1: Yeah, it has now been three months and two days since Hamas attacked Israel. Israel is now saying it is entering a new phase of its war against Hamas. Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant outlining a planned shift from, quote, an intense maneuvering phase of the war to, quote, different types of special operations. This is during an interview with The Wall Street Journal. He says this next stage will last for a longer amount of time, particularly because there are so many Gazan civilians. Previously, Israel has said that this war will stretch well into 2024. And he also described the impact of the October 7th attack on Israel, saying that, quote, it was the bloodiest day for Jewish people since 1945. He says the world needs to understand this is different. You know, one analysis that I was listening to from Israeli media about Hezbollah also talked about just kind of the miscalculation that Israel had about Hamas pre-October 7th, and there Mm -hmm. is some thinking in Israel that while they certainly are not looking for a war with Hezbollah, which we know is much better trained than Hamas and has much better arms than Hamas.
0: Right. They have like 10 times, 20 times the rockets that Hamas has.
1: There is some thinking that the same way that they kind of miscalculated Hamas and their intentions to just kind of exist peacefully along the border that perhaps they, they've they also miscalculated Hezbollah as well. So there is some thinking that perhaps war with Hezbollah is inevitable. Yeah. And would they rather do it now when Hezbollah maybe has 150,000 rockets or wait a few years when they have 250,000 rockets?
0: Right. The lesson for the Israelis is a quiet doesn't necessarily mean permanent quiet, that these groups are just biding their time. And the assumption they had about Hamas that, oh, maybe Hamas actually wants to coexist with us, uh, is not an assumption they can have about Hezbollah to the north. So to do war on their terms. Of course, the U.S. is trying to bring things down um, a bit. So we'll see what comes of it. Back to Gaza, though, for a second. There is some news about the location of the mastermind of the October 7th attacks, uh, Hamas military leader Yahya Sinwar. The Israeli media reports that the military does know his exact location. But he has surrounded himself, they believe, with a number of living Israeli hostages, which is preventing the idea from carrying out a strike on him. That report follows statements from former heads of military intelligence in Israel who are hearing the same thing, which is making things challenging for the Israelis. Remember, there's about 130 hostages that remain um, in Gaza right now of the original 240. And while Israel has control over half of Gaza at this point, uh, things are getting pretty precarious for this last half. As I mentioned, Blinken is in the region. He's been popping around. He had meetings with the Saudi leader as well as the leader of the UAE over the weekend. Uh, He says that they are interested in pursuing normalization and a peace deals with Israel, but only if there's a clear path for a Palestinian state. So that's something Blinken is presenting. The big subject of conversation is how does this end and what does it look like afterwards? The Israelis have been putting forth a number of proposals. The Arabs have been saying, no, we need to see clear indications that uh, there will be a Palestinian state at the end of this process before we commit uh, to helping with the rebuilding effort, which we should note in Gaza is going to be several decades long. Jill, just the utter destruction there, uh, more than 20,000 dead. It is a, you know, beyond multi-year rebuilding effort that will have to take place there.
1: And now to one of our longtime sponsors, if you are a longtime listener, you know that we have both been drinking AG1 for months now. And especially with young kids, we could use all the help that we can get when it comes to energy levels. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. AG1 continuously has been refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. AG1 is a team of doctors and scientists that tested for 950 contaminants. It is NSF certified for sport and formulated based on the latest science with the highest quality standards. I have one friend who drinks AG1 and always says it's kind of like his insurance policy for the day, meaning that whatever else he has, whatever he eats or drinks, he knows he is covered, that he already got all the really important nutrients that he needs. And I'm the same way. I take AG1 in the morning, and I know I am just covered for the day. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash monews. That is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S. Check it out. All right, time for the speed read from the Associated Press. The first U.S. moon landing attempt in more than 50 years appeared to be doomed after a private company's spacecraft developed a critical fuel leak just hours after launch yesterday the Pittsburgh-based astrobotic technology managed to orient its lander toward the sun so that the solar panel could collect sunlight and charge its battery as a special team assessed the status of what was termed, quote, a failure in the propulsion system. It soon became apparent, however, that there was a critical loss of fuel further dimming hope for what was a planned moon landing for February 23rd.
0: Yeah, so they saw the fuel leak, said maybe we can, you know, use solar power from the sun to still achieve the mission. And then they discovered just how bad the leak was. So things don't look very good.
1: Astrobotic was aiming to be the first private business to successfully land on the moon, something only four countries have accomplished. A second lander from a Houston company is due to launch next month. NASA gave the two companies millions of dollars to build and fly their own lunar landers. NASA wants the privately owned landers to scope out the place before astronauts arrive while delivering tech and science experiments for the space agency. Astrobotic's contract with NASA for the lander was one hundred and eight million dollars and it has more in the pipeline.
0: Yeah, NASA is figuring out ways, given that doesn't have the budget that it used to, to utilize private companies uh, to achieve part of its mission. Now, Jill, you did mention uh, if they were successful here uh, or if this Houston company coming up later this month is successful, they would join the four countries that have been successful in landing on the moon. Of course, the Soviet Union had a number of uh, moon landings. They never put people on the moon, but they did have moon landings in the 60s. The U.S., of course, is the only country that has put people on the moon. Uh, China landed on the moon with a lander back in 2013. And as we covered last year, India became the fourth country to land on the moon last year. But last year, we also saw landers from Russia and Japan slam into the moon and crash. An Israeli company tried the same thing in 2019, was not successful. So now these private companies are trying to get in the game here. Jill, we mentioned the science experiments and some of the stuff NASA wants from the company. The company is also making some money or was hoping to make some money off of this. Uh, They had on board cremated human remains and DNA collected from two private companies, Celestis and Elysium Space. Apparently, there are people out there who want to memorialize their loved ones or colleagues uh, who pay thousands of dollars to send a few grams of the cremated ashes to the moon in metal capsules. So they were going to basically put a cemetery on the moon as part of this uh, mission. But of course, they'll probably have to return to Earth with these remains, uh, given that things don't look good for this landing. We'll continue to monitor that, Uh, though this whole idea of putting human remains on the moon has been controversial The Navajo Nation in the U.S., which is the largest group of Native Americans, says that that would be an act of desecration against indigenous cultures, which regard the moon as sacred. Now, NASA is not sanctioning the lunar memorials. It doesn't have oversight over those payloads. The native groups, though, have been very upset. The companies are dismissing it, saying that no religion or belief should influence what we do on the moon. So one of the storylines we're watching in regards to this whole mission.
1: From CBS News, Pope Francis on Monday called for surrogate motherhood to be banned worldwide, calling the practice of surrogacy deplorable and saying that an unborn child, quote, cannot be turned into an object of trafficking. In a wide-ranging speech to ambassadors of the 184 countries that have diplomatic relations with the Vatican, the Pope said surrogacy represented a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child and that it exploited surrogate mothers' financial circumstances. He said, quote, a child's is always a gift and never the basis of a commercial contract.
0: So in the last couple of years, the Pope has called surrogacy inhuman, saying that women, almost all poor, are exploited. The children are treated like goods here. Laws on surrogacy do differ around the world. There's only a few countries uh, that allow commercial surrogacy, and the laws change by state here in the U.S., Other countries will allow altruistic surrogacy where no money is exchanged, though there are a number of nations in Europe where it's banned altogether. Jill, what's interesting here is that the Vatican's Doctrine Office has made clear that same-sex parents who resort to surrogacy can have their children baptized. But of course, the Vatican is also opposed to the whole idea of surrogacy. So it has some people scratching their heads. We should also note that the Vatican, the Pope, also opposes uh, the use of IVF to get pregnant.
1: From ESPN, Tiger Woods announced Monday that his longtime partnership with Nike has ended after 27 years, closing one of the most iconic brand relationships in professional sports history. From the moment that Woods turned pro in August of 1996, he was decked in Nike swooshes from head to toe. The partnership included 15 major championship victories, 82 PGA Tour wins, And numerous comebacks from injuries and personal setbacks over more than a quarter century Woods traditional Sunday attire of a red Nike shirt, black hat and black pants became synonymous with men's professional golf. Woods in a statement saying over 27 years ago, I was fortunate to start a partnership with one of the most iconic brands in the world. He said Phil Knight's passion and vision brought this Nike and Nike golf partnership together And I want to personally thank him, along with the Nike employees and incredible athletes that he has had the pleasure of working with along the way.
0: So this appears to be a pretty amicable split here as far as what's next. Tiger wrote, people will ask if there's another chapter. Yes, there will certainly be another chapter. See you in L.A. It appears to be a reference to his plan to play a Genesis at the Riviera Country Club in Pacific Palisades coming up next month. It's a tournament that he hosts and benefits his foundation. The numbers here with the Nike contract were huge. The most recent one was a 10-year, $200 million deal that he signed just over 10 years ago. Woods is now 48. He has not said what apparel brands he plans to wear at future events. He has been wearing Foot Joy golf shoes since returning to competition from the injuries he had in that car wreck back in 2021. Nike, in its own statement, again, I mentioned it's amicable here, said, Tiger, you challenged your competition, stereotypes, conventions, the old-school way of thinking – You challenged the entire institution of golf. You challenged us and most of all, yourself. And for that challenge, we're grateful. Jill, we should note that, you know, with the various controversies Tiger has had and scandals he had through the years, the DUI, uh, the extramarital affairs, the various things over the course of the past decade or so, some sponsors left him. But Nike always had his back.
1: In part, uh, maybe because the fans have kind of always had his back, too. Yep. He is still so incredibly popular and just adds a level of excitement to any tournament that he is a part of. From Business Insider looking for love, apparently LinkedIn is the place to be. It is hard to estimate how many of LinkedIn's 1 billion reported members are using the site to find love. The company doesn't collect or release data on the matter. And its community policies actually prohibit using the platform for romantic advances, emphasizing that LinkedIn is a professional networking platform, not a dating site. Nonetheless, plenty of posts and articles suggest that many LinkedIn users have long been using the site for romance. And as LinkedIn has soared in the age of remote work, using the platform to find a date has gotten even more popular. One analyst who researches social media and pop culture said that dating via LinkedIn belonged to a long tradition of, quote, dating hacks using online tools that are designed for other purposes to snag a date. Uh, This person saying in the aughts, this happened with Friendster and then MySpace.
0: Oh, Friendster and MySpace. (laughs) Those were the days. But it
1: has since spread to myriad platforms that are ostensibly romance-free. Even fitness tracking sites apparently are fair game. So the common thread that all of these apps have to have is DMs, direct messaging.
0: Slide into the DMs, Jill. uh, People hitting you up on the Peloton app?
1: (laughs) Definitely not me. (laughs) As I'm doing like my 10-minute and pepper hip-hop dance, no, no one's interested.
0: But as far as LinkedIn here, uh, it's interesting because we do live in an age where there's Tinder, there's Bumble, there's Hinge. There's all these niche apps that are devoted to uh, dating. So why are people turning to places like LinkedIn? One answer comes from the growing number of people who have grown tired of the roulette-like experience of the modern dating apps. Last year, there was a Pew survey that found that nearly one-third of respondents had used an online dating site at least once. And the vast majority of them had been disappointed by the experience. Who would have thunk it? So LinkedIn, as a dating site here, does give you a sense of control uh, to boost the caliber, so to speak, of your prospects. It's, you know, you have a sense of who their employers were, their professional experience, their education, Offers an extra level of credibility in an online dating space that is a crapshoot sometimes. You have no idea what to expect. And then, Jill, on LinkedIn, there's also those testimonials. So, you know, if you have <laughs> testimonials from your boss, previous bosses, you get a sense of the type of person you might be dating. Still, I have to say this uh, LinkedIn's a mess. My messages are all like bots now. That's a whole separate issue I have with the folks at LinkedIn these days.
1: But I do get it because unlike dating apps, at least you're somewhat verified. You know, like the picture is going to be you, your work history, your educational history. So, uh, you know, I get it. And finally, from the New York Times, speaking of love, the latest Valentine's Day craze has people camping out at Target for the Valentine's Stanley Tumblr. That is right. It's basically a cup. A limited edition tumbler has caused physical confrontations, parking lot campouts, and other mayhem at Target stores around the country. The reason is that last week, Stanley, which is the company known for these trendy tumblers, released special edition cups, a collaboration with Starbucks for Valentine's Day. And there has been a steady stream of social media videos showing customers nearly coming to blows or otherwise overrunning the store to obtain their own 40 ounce pink or red water tumbler. Some are even camping outside Target to make sure they can get their hands on one. And so if this sounds like we're speaking another language, the New York Times is breaking it down. What is a Stanley? Most importantly, this company is based in Seattle. They mostly sell bottle-adjacent products. They've been around for more than a century. The brainchild of inventor William Stanley in 1913, he combined vacuum insulation and steel to create a water bottle. Now, for most of its existence, the company was targeting the outdoorsy types. But a few years ago, there was a shift. The Buy Guide, which is a blog that recommends products for consumers, Featured Stanley's 40-ounce quencher cup, calling it the one in an Instagram post, and then partnered with the company on wholesale products. And so the brand eventually shifted from marketing mostly to men to women.
0: Yeah, it's all over social media. Jill, there's a, a corner of TikTok called Water Talk, where people demonstrate fancy ways to hydrate. There's book talk, there's water talk, you know, all the talks. So there's a talk <laughs> for water as well. I don't uh, so even content, have anything
1: to say. It's
0: like <laughs> So the hashtag Stanley Tumblr has become a very popular hashtag used millions of times. The cup has become a fashion accessory, a collector's item. Uh, and of course, drinking water has become trendy of late. It's good for you, regardless of whether you drink it out of Stanley or not. So Starbucks and Stanley also had a collaboration for a limited edition pink quencher that was available in Starbucks stores at Target locations. Uh, Now Target is marketing the limited edition cups as part of its Galentine's collection. By the way, these things cost $45. They're sold out right now on the Target website. Starbucks says that they're out of stock and not planning to restock. And so there is a scarcity effect here on consumers, which has driven up this craze. Jill, there's always eBay for people, but apparently some of these Stanleys on eBay now going for a few hundred dollars.
1: <laughs> Nothing says love, Moshe, like a Stanley Starbucks
0: tumbler. Can you imagine if you're like a, a husband or like a, a partner uh, who knows that your partner like loves this stuff and you're like camped outside, you're like beating people up to get this thing. And then your partner's like, you did what for a Stanley? Or maybe it's the opposite. They will really appreciate you because you know how important this is. Do you own a Stanley? I don't yet. I haven't gotten into this craze.
1: I don't, Mosh. In fact, I wasn't totally familiar with it until I started seeing it on social media. And that is why I wanted to do the story, because I felt like there were probably other people like me out there who are like, what is going on with this Stanley Cup that everybody's talking about?
0: You know what's not out of stock? The Mo News Tumblr over at the Mo News Merch Shop.
1: Nicely done, Mosh.
0: Nothing says I love you on Valentine's Day (laughs) than a Mo News Tumblr. (laughs) All right, now for on this day in history. We begin in 1493 as promised. Christopher Columbus is sailing near what is now the Dominican Republic. He reports in his journal that he saw three mermaids. It turns out they would later figure out that he was describing manatees because he writes in his journal that these mermaids are not half as beautiful as they are painted. Oh Columbus, you thought you would find <laughs> India. You were wrong. <laughs> you thought you saw mermaids. You were wrong.
1: This sounds like one of the stories that I've been reading my my daughter at night before bed.
0: These mermaids look like manatees. All right. On this day, 1951, the U.N. headquarters in New York officially opened. I will say I was there recently. It definitely needs a renovation.
1: Project.
0: <laughs> the, the UN's already known to uh, waste a lot of money on things. Uh, but, you know. But renovation is probably something they would uh, put money towards. On this day in 1973, Mick Jagger was refused a Japanese visa because of a previous drug bust that ended Rolling Stone's plans to uh, have a concert there. A couple of big Apple moments on this day in history. January 9th is a day they clearly choose to roll out big things on this day in 2001. They rolled out iTunes, the digital media player app that debuted with the iPod that revolutionized digital music. At the time, we were using Kazaa and LimeWire and Napster and uh, downloading illegal music. And basically, they legitimized digital music through iTunes. Just a few years later, in 2007, on this day, Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone on this day 17 years ago. And we end with a bit of music history. Dave Matthews turns 57 today. He was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. He eventually settles in Virginia and forms the Dave Matthews Band. Jill, my first concert at Soldier Field back there in the 90s.
1: And he is still going strong. I have friends who have been to hundreds of his concerts and still see him play whenever he comes to
0: town. Still going strong. Started out uh, as just a small college band there at UVA. On this day in 1981, 43 years ago, Phil Collins released his classic, In the Air Tonight. tonight. And... You might remember the song from the early days of American Idol. You, you had a bad day. <laughs> Daniel Powder released Bad Day on this day 19 years ago.
1: Wait, I didn't realize that was from American Idol.
0: Well, it came out at the same time and they would play it as they kicked people off, as they rejected people. They do like a montage uh, being like, you know, showing them their various moments until they were voted off, basically. And they would always do it. For a couple seasons there, it's a bad day.
1: All right. Well, we hope uh, no bad days out there. We hope everyone has a good day today on this Tuesday. We want to thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the app store.
0: See you guys back here tomorrow.
1: Thanks for listening to the Mo News podcast.